jubilate everybody. So no one ever gets to hear me sing, which is a shame. Um, that's an interesting definition of the word shame, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You you use shame in the same way I use the word blessing. Welcome everybody to episode 37 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined by Joe Davis. Joe Davis, how are you? What a refreshing change that makes. I'm very well indeed. Well, not really, but then no one wants to hear that. Let's carry on. No, let's not, because you are ill. No, I'm not ill. I'm just I'm just pretending to have a cough, which you can edit out all the way through. Mm, well, I don't know. If you're on your last legs, have you made a will? Uh, I have actually. Yeah. Am I mentioned in it? Of course you are. I leave. <laughs> a, I leave a many books to you. <laughs> I, I I'm remembered in the will. There's no money. Just say I remember Nick Page. Exactly. Anyway, okay. Uh, well, good. Have you Have you had a good week? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it's been okay. I went to see uh, Black Panther, like you do. Like uh, you, do. you know, I know culturally we're supposed to go. Oh, it's marvelous, and you know how wonderful for an all-black cast, but at the end of the day, it's still a Marvel film that goes crash, bang, wallop, wallop, mm, okay. only with African themes, which we applaud, don't get me wrong, but mm, seen it all before. Uh, and then I saw The Shape of Water. Well... Now, don't uh, don't tell me anything about this, because I, I love Guillermo del Toro, and I want to go and see... OK, well, I'm just going to tell you two things. Strange... And wonderful. Strange, yes. wonderful. Strange, wonderful. Is yes. it strange or is it wonderful? It's both those things. That's pretty much sums up his films. Have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, yes. So <laughs> the funny story about that is that I took, well, I say funny. We'll leave it to the listener to judge. I, um, Claire and I, this is when the kids were younger and we thought we'd have a date night. We'd organise a date night. And I'd heard this film was great. So I took her to see Pan's Labyrinth hey. on the date night. And I, it is wonderful, but it's pretty gory. It can, yes, indeed. It's pretty horrible. And so for, for lots of it, she had her eyes closed. And when she didn't have her eyes closed, she was just staring at me with a sense of well, annoyance, really. If, so she's never quite forgiven If me for you that. were to take her to this film, I promise you there is one bit, and some people will know exactly the bit I'm talking about, where she will also close her eyes. I'll say no more than that. But a great film and well worth going to. I think the Guillermo del Toro bridge has been uh, burnt with that. With that anyway, but I'm going to just go and see it definitely. And I'm excited because we've got the wonderful Alexander Shire coming to do a podcast. Isn't that great? Oh, fantastic! So he's, yes. he's coming to stay the weekend. We managed to rope him into a weekend at Shez Davis on the south coast, mm-hmm. telling him it is the most fantastic city in the world, which of course Worthing is. Mm. City, slight. You know, yeah, definition issues yeah, okay. there. Um, anyway, he's coming to stay, which is just brilliant and uh, and great for us and for our listeners because he is a wonderful chap. And if you haven't ever heard of Alexander Shire, then stay tuned um, for whenever we play that, which could be in a, I don't know, month's time or so. Uh, yeah, it depends. It will be brilliant. Worked. I'm that confident. I can just say it will be brilliant because he is okay. just a wonderful, lovely person. Well, good. We'll look forward to that. Mm. Uh, so, should we get on with stuff then? Yeah, shall as we? you're ill, I don't want to. I don't want you to peg out. No, but I haven't through, asked so you. I haven't asked going. you how you are or anything. I mean, that makes me seem. I am extremely um, busy. Loads of stuff on. Lots of speaking. I'm in Altrincham. 
but if you at, at the moment, in fact, when you download this podcast, dear listener, well, I don't know when. If you if you download it straight away, mm-hmm. I'll be in Altrincham, which is near Manchester, and uh, doing a, a weekend dark night at the shed weekend there. Oh, excellent! Preaching at Altrincham. Yeah, still Baptist milking that for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, mate, yeah, <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. It sure is. Okay, <laughs> no, I'll be doing that, so I'm looking forward to that. Brilliant. So if you listen to the podcast, say hello. Great. Yes, do. In fact, go but whoop, didn't we establish go at the appropriate whoop. moment? And, uh, yes. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm fairly busy. But apart from that, I'm hanging on in there, really. Well, you know, thank you, because it's great to have an international author and celebrity on the podcast. Week I'm not week. sure Altrincham counts as international, if I'm no, honest. I think it does. Manchester. Doesn't it? Anyway, shall we move on? Mm. Yes, let's go for it. OK, so uh, first of all, uh, a lovely long email uh, from Lucy, which I have uh, edited. Anyway, thank you, Lucy. She says this. Dear Joe and Nick, thank you for your podcast. After the first episode, I knew this is what I needed to get myself out of my faith rut. I'm 24. That makes her a young listener. And already feel that I've been through a mid-faith crisis twice, which leads me to my first question. How many mid-faith crises can someone have? That's a good question. It is. I I, I have them about tw- twice a day. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She says, anyway, she goes on. This second mid-faith crisis has been harder than the first. Found your podcast on a Sunday evening after bursting into tears in an Oxford coffee shop because my fears about not being good enough and not fitting into our church community had reached their peak. Going to church had for a long time been a point in my week which I came to dread. I wouldn't sleep the night before and come Sunday morning I would find any excuse not to go. The cycle of worry went round and round. And she goes on, your podcast has helped me reconnect with the one thing I'd forgotten in my current mid-faith crisis. That to be the best Christian I can, I don't need to understand Christianese. Uh, like mm. Chinese. Uh, all I need is to follow in the steps of Jesus and love unconditionally. Anyway, thank you again for this podcast. It's reignited my faith. And although going back to church might be a challenge at the moment, I hope that one day I'll be able to find a community where I feel accepted for being the slightly broken me. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that um, lovely? I think it's also sad, isn't it? It's sad that the church has got to a point where people can't, you know, be themselves. You know, People who feel slightly broken feel they can't go. I would have thought that's exactly what church is for. There's a massive branding issue, (laughs) as we would have said back in the day. Yeah, there is. There's there's seriously a a big issue with that. And and it's strange. Again, it's to do with... I don't really know that it's anyone's fault. I think it's just that human nature to present our best front, isn't it? And Mm. to, Mm. to be shiny, happy people on a Sunday... I don't know how you change the culture to like, we just accept you exactly as you are. Maybe by um, saying that, I don't know. Well, also the spaces, whether there's spaces available for people to express that. I think that's part of the issue. When I, as, as you've said powerfully in the past, the church cannot do your spiritual formation for no, you. No, it can't. You've got to take responsibility. But I think the church can provide spaces where some of that can take place. It can yeah. encourage that. And that's... That's perhaps what they should be doing. And I know some churches are doing that. And yes, they are. And yeah. spaces where you can lament, for example. You know, a lot yes, of the Psalms indeed. are pretty miserable. And mm. and strangely enough, the longer you go on, the more encouraging you find these discoveries <laughs> in the Psalms, actually. And to, <laughs> think, like, to think that like, they were sung corporately as corporate yes. misery 
uh, I find quite encouraging. Corporate <laughs> misery. Yeah, exactly. This is where we want to be going. Exactly. It wasn't all shiny, happy, the latest no. Praise album. Yeah. It was, you know, oh, for goodness sake, just slaughter my enemies and yes. anyone related to them. I mean, that would be a great song to sing. Anyway. And now for a time of corporate misery. And we'll read together from the Book of Eeyore. Yeah, exactly. That's just... <laughs> um, I, the other point I would make out of that um, is that this is a podcast about mid-faith crisis. It's not about mid-life. And yes, the two good point. I have written extensively on mid-life crises, but the two, and they can coincide, but the two aren't necessarily the, Absolutely. the, the same. And um, so one can, one can move through the stages of faith at any time of life, mm. I guess. Um, yes, that's a really good point. And I wonder if, if, the, if the average age of the mid-faith crisis is in fact going down. Getting lower and lower. That would be an Probably interesting is. bit of PhD research for someone. Yeah, yeah. there we are. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so this next one's from Barbie, who describes herself as Barbie non-churchgoer. Right. She says, I remember the after-hours comedy you did at, Spr- at Spring Harvest. Dave oh, Anon and Pete Bollard used to say, I like you. To me, I was a steward and you used to get words for people like trout. This is all true. Anyway, that was just lovely. Forgive our indulgence, but hey, Barbie, lovely to hear you again. Woo, I like you. Mm. <laughs> Bring back Pete. <laughs> Bring back. Pete wouldn't be funny now because... No, he wouldn't. Okay, so for those that don't know, Pete was yeah. this like satire on a kind of out-of-control youth worker who loved himself and was and his like biography was called God's Gifting to Women and, you know, all <laughs> these kind of things. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But now it rings so true, it... Wouldn't yeah. even be satirical. <laughs> yeah. One of the things about those shows, and maybe it is echoed in this podcast, is that we used to we used to put the material for the satire together largely by going and watching the celebration. <laughs> Shush now. Didn't we? <laughs> Didn't we? And then we'd do it. And, and we used to get loads of people coming in who weren't going to anything else. And, um, or, you know, husbands yeah. or wives who'd been dragged along or whatever yeah. and coming to the show. That was, it was good fun, that. It was. But like you say, you probably couldn't do that material anymore. No, I think not. And some mm. of the material you should never have done in the first place. Can that's, point that's, out, but that's absolutely another story. Anyway, that's uh, from Matt, one from Matt now, who says, Hey, last week I uh, was relieved to hear that I'm not the only one who uses the Mid-Faith podcast to help me fall asleep. You two have uh, such an amazing gift. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Thank you. And he says, I'd love to hear you chat a bit more about worship and songs. I definitely joke and complain about the lyrics we sing and the repetition, but I was wondering what you'd like to see change in church. Thank you for everything you do and for being real. I've been listening since week one. I think, uh, I think, but could never be bothered to email you because I'm a student and therefore compulsively lazy. <laughs> well, I know Matt actually, and he's not Do compulsively you? lazy. Yeah, oh. yeah, he was always. He's a, he's actually a, a superb musician, and uh, yeah. And I, you know, what can you? Um, well, you know, the thing is, you for worship leaders or whatever. I mm. suppose it's trying to find those songs that don't have the uh, the nonsense. Exactly. And I had a friend in. once who wrote a brilliant book about this very thing. Is it still available? Uh, it's still available. That the phrase came from you. <laughs> the title. Did so the, the book yeah. I wrote a book about the words of worship song years ago called "And Now Let's Move Into a Time of Nonsense," and that was based because Joe kept moving into times of things I wherever did. we went, didn't you? We did. We, we used, used to move into a time of kebab. Yeah, into a time of open coughing. <laughs> yeah, and just just wait for someone to lead us. 
Tyler breaking wind. <laughs> Whatever it happened to be, anyway. Let's move on, shall we? Anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks, Matt. Yes. Matt. Okay, so David says, Dear Nick and Joe, enjoying the podcast very much. I had one of those what am I doing here moments in church recently. And Nick, I think you'll like this. It happened the evening you recently came to my church. <laughs> and probably as we all tried to climb the mountain with our hands wide open. I think there's a rich vein of Christian song imagery to be explored and enjoyed. I know you have already referred to my anchor holds within the veil. He says a song I still can't sing without giggling. But he says this, and this is a genius suggestion. Perhaps your listeners could suggest their own favourites. Oh, yes. Which gives me an idea for a, a little regular spot on the show called Send Us Your Lyrics. Or something well, like yes. that. <laughs> so yeah. your favourite mixed metaphors or lyrics from contemporary worship songs, we would we would love to hear them. Well, not just contemporary. I think we should widen. No, some of the older yeah, ones. You know, let's let's by all means send us incomprehensible hymn lyrics. Yes, the, indeed. The, the, some yeah. of those of are which there are many. Yes, yeah. and we did have an email from someone about it, but I edited it out. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, put I, it back in next week or something. Okay, yeah. Next Sorry time. I edit all these emails, but, you know, if all we're going to do is read emails, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, Steve says, Hi, Joe Nick. Still really enjoying the podcast and the opportunity they give to reflect on my Christian life, the important bits and the not-so-important bits. I do have one question that's been playing on my mind over the past few months, which I hope you may be able to help with, which is this. God is love. God created the world. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as salvation. However, only one third of the world population are Christians, meaning currently about five billion people aren't saved and to which some would say face an eternity in hell, question mark. So if God is so loving and all knowing, why kick off the whole world and humanity thing in the first place doesn't seem that loving? Um, it's a small yeah. question, I feel. Yeah, Tiny just a small one. Issue. Just give us a soundbite well, answer is normal. I, well, the, the answer is that at some point we should definitely do the hell episode. Yes, let's uh, do that. Let's do we'll it next. Do an episode called What the Hell. And, How excellent. Uh, You're so good and, with titles. Yeah. And I would, and there's a very, there's a good book that I could recommend called The Evangelical Universalist by uh, ah, yes. a friend of mine. And um, I would say that, well, I mean, the fundamental thing that this podcast is built on is that God is love and God is Christ-like. Mm. Exactly. And it struck me the other day that when we talk about sort of wrath and judgment, there, there were a few times in the Gospels where Jesus was presented with someone to judge. One thinks particularly mm. of the woman caught in adultery yeah. and when they get um, their lack of welcome at Samaritan village and the disciples say, shall we rain down fire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so both times Jesus is invited to, to be wrathful mm. and he refuses both times. Yeah. He won't have anything to do yeah. with it. And I think we should reflect long and hard on what that says to us about our our image of God then. Yes, exactly. And how we interpret those hell narratives. But I will say that this is one of those critical mid-faith crisis questions. The whole mm. question about hell and judgment and all those things. And, and so all we say at the moment, Steve, is I think there is a way through this. And I did hint at that in my reply uh, where God comes out looking bigger and better and more wonderful than we ever dared dream say. But we'll save it for the episode mm. we do called What the Hell. Okay. Thanks. Yes. Coming soon. Okay, but just one more uh, email. And this is from Elliot. And I think this is a great one. He says, uh, Hello, I've been listening to your podcast because I've been trying to deal with my mid-faith crisis. The scary part is that I don't even know I believe in God anymore. 
This is a very new feeling. Up to this point in my life, I've had very little doubt of God and I've loved God and Jesus. And then all of a sudden I realised that my belief in science and my belief in who I thought the Christian God is doesn't work at all together. I don't understand how I can overcome this overwhelming feeling that there is no God. How can I have faith in a loving God in a world based on science? And that is another key mid-faith crisis question isn't it that's yeah absolutely uh i mean i don't know what you'd well well i well so if i wrote a book which i you know won't because i leave that sort of thing to you Mm. Um, rightly rightly but if i did i think i'd call it something like god is dead long live the divine and that's a provocative statement But I really think this is the way through the mid-faith crisis. Some of the old narratives about God. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm speaking, I put up that um, Larson, Gary Larson cartoon of God uh, with his finger hovering over a smite button on his keyboard. And you just see this (laughs) piano suspended in the sky and someone walking underneath it. And he's just about to push the smite. And I think those kind of images, or worse still, the Sistine Chapel, you know, with Adam. And I mean, it's a beautiful piece of of art. Um, But it's deeply unhelpful because it lodges so deeply into our psyche that God is this man who is other and outside of earth and in heaven. And and I think that's why I want to say, no, God is dead. That, you know, that, that much is true. But the divine, the divine presence... The God who I think actually Jesus does reveal. This wonderful uh, force of love and, and we might say Trinitarian God. So this God that is relationship at its core, love at its core. That is all around us and infused in the universe. And that the universe came from a singularity and is still expanding. Or is it even a universe? Is it a multiverse? I mean, those are the big questions of science at the moment, aren't they? And how time warps and bends, you know, only makes the whole thing more wonderful. That doesn't make me doubt my faith in God. That reinforces, for me, a belief that God... But if you're holding, if you're holding on to a kind of rigid statement that the, the Bible is a science book and you're taking a fundamentalist interpretation or literal interpretation all the way through, you're surely going to run into problems. I mean, can you carry that all to your grave? And actually, even some of the stuff that was being said about Billy Graham... You know, I mean, I, you know, what a loss. I mean, and what a brilliant man. You know, I was there at Crystal Palace back in the 80s and, Mm. you know, amazed at his charisma and the power coming through and the and the sheer numbers of people giving their lives to Christ. It was a it was an amazing thing to to witness. But it is strange that in his death, so much of the talk drifted to this idea of, a three-tier universe and now he's in heaven he's up there somewhere with god and yeah he's got a mansion in the sky and you you know you tend to think yeah the the poor islamic you know kid that got killed in a bomb in iraq you know he's probably got a shack billy graham's got a massive mansion (laughs) you know the little kid can you know watch him from his little shack because he's such a mighty great man And and that that just cannot be to me how how the thing works to take that metaphorical language and to interpret it literally i i think 
perpetuates the problems we have and lead to a mid-faith crisis. They don't help us through it. Anyway, sorry, I'm waffling. No, no, it's fine. I, I'm interested that the, as you know, I don't respond so well to the the divine because no, I know I don't, I don't feel I can have a relationship. It's not personal with an, enough with an adjective. Yeah, I do understand that. But I mean, what you're saying is, uh, in a sense, God is dead. Long live God. You know, God is dead. Yes. Our, our old image of God has to go. Yeah. Or our unhelpful images of God. Even yeah. that's not quite right because you know, um, that makes it sound like we're shaping God in what we find most useful, you know, and, that, and I yeah. don't think that's, that's biblical, but I think it's that we, you know, our, our images of God are, are so inherently unhelpful and, and, I, and I, what we're told about him is so unhelpful and what we're told about the Bible yeah. is so unhelpful. So if you're told wrong things about yeah. the Bible or about God, or, yeah. then you're going to find real problems um, in science yeah. or in the real world. I mean, I do think sometimes the whole science thing is, I find it personally overrated. In the yeah. sense that I'm a yeah. little bit like Sherlock. There's a story about Sherlock Holmes, who, who I think it's Sherlock Holmes, who Watson yeah. discovers doesn't really know that the Earth moves around the sun, for example. And he, and when Watson's amazed at this, he says, "Well, there's no relevance to me. I don't need to know that. It doesn't help me solve a case." And <laughs> sometimes I think yeah. I feel like that with science. I think, how does this help me be good? How does this belief system yeah, help sure. me sure. be a better person? And I don't think sometimes. You know, in a way, right. you know, the whole evolution question about it is almost irrelevant. No, yeah. If you yeah. know, if if people want to believe we were sneezed out of the nose of a giant turtle or something, um, yeah, <laughs> is that not how it that. happened? <laughs> no, yeah. you know, I, I I mean, I might question that, but on the other hand, one of the tests of it would be: Are you a good, you know, yeah, good, exactly? Good, are you no, a good I agree. nose sneezing turtle worshipper or <laughs> not? You know, um, exactly. But I, I tell you why this sort of does come home to roost is, I mean, and I don't want to sort of divulge too much detail here, but uh, uh, a dear a dear person in Worthing, oh, people are going to guess this anyway. Anyway. Uh, just suffered a terrible tragedy. He lost both his sons mm. in an accident. It was awful. And uh, this guy also, you know, is a chaplain, you know, does funerals up at the creme. So I see him a fair bit. And some of the f- some funeral directors here said, oh, this is going to be a real test of his faith. And I, mm. I understood what they meant. But I thought, actually, I, I don't know that's how it works. I think his faith, will be an enormous comfort to him at this time because it it depends what your faith is in. If your faith is in a God who is going to stop horrible things happening to you, then your faith is going to be rocked. If you believe that God has the power to heal people of cancer but doesn't, if you believe that God, you know, sits outside in heaven and could do stuff, but only randomly does it and creates... I, I think that's a problem. So we're back to this whole, to what extent does God intervene thing? And we have yeah. all sorts of beliefs about that. But I know that you and I would say, fundamentally, God is good or God is love. And mm. I that is certainly my firmest conviction, mm. that God is good. And I'm pretty sure that's true for this person. So there's, you know, when terrible terrible things and i actually you know this thing has rocked worthing because um i can't really think of anything more terrible than you know losing your kids and and Mm. and and, 
you, you know, when utterly terrible things happen, it is a cause for some people to say, nah, there you are, there's proof that God doesn't exist. And it's a cause for others to say, thank God, there's hope beyond. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. We, you know, so what's rocked in this sense is not... Is is not his faith as such, but the, well, mm. I'm not saying it was rocked in no, his no, case, no, but no, what no. might be rocked is, you know, systematic theology. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or your belief, absolutely. your belief that you've worked it out. Yeah. how it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. Um, I was uh, doing some teaching last week on prayer. Right. And and prayer is one area where it seems to me that your image of God is absolutely crucial. Mm. Yeah, you know, we we all Absolutely. we've said. I, think, I know we've said in the past that your image of God defines everything in your life yes. in a way, or who who you, I think who it you does. believe God is. Yeah. But but um, it certainly, you know, it deeply affects your 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 idea of what prayer is. Um, yeah. You know, if you think God is a tyrant, yes, then prayer becomes an act of duty. Yeah, you know, it becomes or or, or it becomes um sort of something like you know like a saluting a commanding officer. Yeah, you know, it's not because you have any respect for him. It's just because you actually have to do that when you go past. Exactly, or you get court martialed. Exactly. You know, yeah. so so if you think if you think um, God is is your boss, yeah. then you'll do prayer in order to pass your appraisal. Yeah, and and get your you know yeah. your the boxes exactly. ticked. If you think God's a bureaucrat, then you're going to do everything in the right order. Do you remember the, that thing that we used to <laughs> uh, we used to have where you used to say prayer is. When I pray, I think acts. Oh, yeah, say that's right, In fact, yeah. I've taught this because it's not yeah, a bad yeah. model. But yeah, I've taught it yeah, quite yeah, recently. Yeah, exactly. but, but the idea acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, suffocation. Supplication. <laughs> Sorry. Supplication. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, you have to do things in the right order. Yeah. It has to start with adoration, even though you don't feel like adoring him. Yeah. Because actually, you're, you're, your life might be in the pit yeah. of despair. But yeah. God is not going to listen to your despairing bit because, no, you know, yeah. he's not going to listen to the supplication bit at the end because you haven't done the other first things, the, the exactly. three forms first. Yeah. Um, and, and there's almost that sort of superstitious view because we take a verse and build yeah. a theology. Oh, yeah. right? And one of them is, uh, ask anything in my name and it shall be done. So you know that the outcome is somehow dependent upon you. And if it's not... If the outcome hasn't gone the way you thought, then obviously you're not praying, right? You're doing yes, something. You're not fault. using the right magic words. You're not doing it in a certain way or a certain oh, yeah. order. But now let's let's hire this, uh, you know, South African to come and teach us how to do it properly. Well, you know, we, yeah, we <laughs> and pay him a lot of, of money. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, yes, magic words. If you think God is a genie in a bottle. Hmm. That somehow you can cast a spell on if you use the magic. Yeah. I remember years ago. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. Oh, we're so far into the podcast now. I can't keep yeah, apologising exactly. for what I might have said or might not. I'm a middle-aged fan. Exactly. Um, but you know, years ago when I was a teenager, we went to. I went to a, one of our um, groups and a youth group, and a lady, dear lady, there was talking about how she'd had a cold, mm. and she'd been praying against this cold, and we'd mm. got heal this cold, and. Uh, you know, nothing had happened. And then somebody said to her, ah, but have you rebuked it? Ah. Ah, you see? Yes. And she said, course. no, I haven't rebuked it. Uh, so she rebuked the cold. Schoolboy error. And then <laughs> she rebuked, yeah, her, her Bible wasn't full of gold dust or anything. She, she rebuked the cold and the cold went away. And it always troubled me because, you know, the picture of, what's the picture of God there? That he's exactly. not actually going to remove no, the no, cold from someone who took you. You haven't yet. said no. the magic word. Absolutely. 
And he, he might change it every week. He might say, oh, and this week the magic word is banana. <laughs> Unless you, unless you, unless banana. you say banana. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a profoundly exactly. wrong view of God that leads to profound problems with prayer. And of course, no wonder in your mid-faith crisis, if that is your image of God, you struggle with prayer. Why pray? What's the blooming point? Well, why why should we pray then? He said helpfully. He said helpfully. It's yeah. like a setup. Like it, someone um, was doing a Lent course all on prayer. Well, I think because what Jesus did, and leaving aside the whole gender thing, which I know is an issue, but mm. he recalibrated our relationship with God as uh, a father, an or as one. you know, it, it turned it into mm. a relationship. Yeah. So he turned it into that kind of intimacy. Praying is about entering into a relationship. My favourite definition of prayer it comes from a great book called True Prayer by Kenneth Leach. Mm. He says to pray is to enter into a relationship with God and to be transformed in him. Mm. So it's not actually a, that transactional thing about getting yeah. th- getting the answers. That may happen. Yeah. And I believe in, in intercessory prayer, and I mm. pray for a lot of people, I'm sure you do. But mm. I don't know how it works. No. So if my, only, if my no. model of prayer is based on an understanding of that bit, if that's all that it is, then that's yeah. going to cause me problems. It's deeper than that. At, the, yeah. at, the, you know, at its depth, it's about relationship spending time with god yes. and the only thing that i know for sure that will happen when i pray is that i will be transformed that's yes. the only thing yeah. that, that's the only answer about that i've ever been uh, yes. convinced that will happen yeah i agree and I, I don't mean to be an ass about the you know male pronoun and all that sort of thing i mean i think sometimes i still you know i pray the lord's prayer most oh. days at least once professionally <laughs> and yes. sometimes for other reasons and, <laughs> and so, you know, I have no problem with father. I think sometimes I personally find it helpful to call God mother. Yes. Um, and, okay. But, you know, I don't want to lead anyone astray in that. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to be an ass about it. But but the, the point you're saying there is it's about relationship and intimacy. And with all the caution I have when I mentioned the R word about, you know, the sort of baggage I had about how's your relationship with Jesus how's your oh, yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, with God and, yeah. that, and you know that used to make me cringe for a long while because I have a great sense you know of not not all the time but when I create space for the divine I have a great sense of relationship like I am in God and God is in me and that somehow this whole life we have is completely wonderful and awe-inspiring and I can that that can happen on the beach it happens in the sunset it happens while I'm studying birds it happens when I'm out in nature it happens sometimes just when I'm connecting with another human being it there's a great sense for me of relationship with Mm. the divine and Mm. I think it's no good thinking of God as an it no 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 God's much closer and more personal than an it Mm. Mm. God, God is close. So, anyway, we should land this this week. I th- I love that, that what you just said. How, that's reminded me. How how's your relationship with Jesus? Oh, I love that because they never meant that, did they? No, they meant. Are you praying enough? They meant, uh, yeah. Tell me about your quiet time. Are you reading the Bible? Enough? Are you following the law? Are you saluting? <laughs> yeah. Have you said <laughs> banana many times <laughs> backwards? <laughs> Hang on, that's a nanab. Anyway, you know what I what I was encouraging people in the, the the 
Lent thing is to just try praying, you know, just yeah. to just to try being with Jesus. Talk it out. Talk as if he was there in the room or talk, you know, understand that it's a relationship. It's not a guilt trip. It's no. not an exam. It's not, you know, it's not paying no. your dues. No, exactly. It, it's spending time with someone who loves you. And I would say, if you are in the middle of a mid-faith crisis and you haven't got a clue what you believe or can't make sense of stuff or anything, uh, that's not necessarily a reason to stop praying at all. Uh, It might be a reason to stop praying the way you're used to praying. Mm. You might want to explore some different methods of prayer. And Lord knows there are hundreds of different methods. You could do worse than read Richard Foster's book on prayer. I think it's just called Prayer, isn't it? Do you remember? It's called Prayer, All the Different Categories I Could Think Of. I think <laughs> yes, I think that was it. But, you know, that, but, but uh, you know, for me, for me, one of the things is go for a walk. Get mm. yourself in nature. Connect with the earth, for goodness sake. Take your shoes off, although maybe not in the snow. Cry out. See what happens. If, you, if you're praying, if, if you're struggling with suffering, if someone you love is dying, right now of cancer or some other terrible thing or if someone has just gone through a horrible horrible experience or if you are going through a hole cry out and pray for it to change i mm. i don't think there's anything wrong with it. We're back to that no, second naivety thing again i mm. feel like that is healthy spiritually and emotionally and mm. physically and every other way i can't think mm. what all the different ways are now but you know i i think we should cry out and we should beg for change and we should do those things. And I think actually part of coming through this mid-faith crisis is, is, going, is saying, I don't understand it all. But what it means to be human for me is to beg for something to change. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, um, wherever we <laughs> What was that noise? Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's just me making <laughs> random noises. Edit it out immediately. <laughs> no, staying in. Uh, okay. Anyway, look, I see a, a near ending. Uh, in fact, it's a very present ending. So we should um, we should wrap this up. Yeah, do get in touch with us with yep. uh, your experiences of prayer. How has prayer changed for you in the mid faith crisis? Um, that you know, there are as many different ways to pray as there are human beings, basically, exactly. because it's a relationship. So you know, one way may not suit you. One size definitely does not fit all. So do get in touch with us. Yeah, please do. Send send emails to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. And specifically, I mean, you, 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 you've you got the idea, listeners, of the kind of emails we get now. If if you wanted to give some advice to someone who's in midfaith crisis right now, maybe you've come through yours a little bit or maybe you're in the midst of it, what have you found helpful? What would mm. you say to them? Uh, how would you respond to some of these emails we get? We'd love to hear from you because yeah. you're probably a lot wiser than we are. No, probably about it. Um, so don't forget uh, to get in touch. Don't forget to uh, check out our Facebook page if you do such a thing or to um, subscribe on iTunes and all that stuff. And don't forget to spend five blissful days with us in June at Lee Abbey. Yes. Prayerfield, I imagine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks ever so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bless you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.